Okay, we have been uh, working on uh, this 40 Days of Grace. You've uh, got your, your book, been able to do your daily devotional as you read through Romans and study Romans, get to know uh, what the Bible has to say about grace. And this is the journey that uh, we have been on. Uh, before I jump into that, I want to make sure that you take note of two things. Uh, one is uh, the love mission, where you have an opportunity to adopt a family of someone who, who has a provider in prison. And so this Christmas, we get to do something really, uh, really special. We've been searching for this for quite a while, a way for you or your children to be able to have an impact on somebody that they could personally know. Not just somebody way across the world, but somebody that they could somehow uh, be able to, to minister to right here in our own community. Um, and so you can sign up for that this week and next week, but make sure uh, you don't miss that for the next week um, to be able to, to be involved in that. The second thing is that at the end of the 40 days, on November 23rd, we're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner together. We're going to do this a little special. We're going to have uh, just one service, so everybody's going to come together for that one service, and then we're going to have lunch together afterwards, and it is potluck. I love potluck. It's like the best, the best of all worlds because each of you are going to make your favorite dish, the thing that you are better at than anything else, and you're going to bring it here for me to eat. It's, it's really good. It's a really good, good deal. And uh, so we need you, uh, but, but there is a, we want to make sure that, that everybody doesn't bring the exact same thing. Uh, so we do have a sign-up at the concierge table. Make sure you get signed up with what you're going to bring. Um, and uh, I, we're not, it's not a contest. We won't, we won't give you prizes. Uh, but I will be very, very happy. All right, so make sure you get signed up uh, for that. So this journey that we've been on, uh, this journey we've been on, we started that we are in trouble. We learned, oh, let me back up one more time. Um, class, this is, as you interact with this, I want you to interact with this today, uh, as I have the last couple weeks, intellectually first. I want you to think through what the Bible says. Because what we've, what we've been learning has been pretty crazy stuff. I want you to think through what the Bible says, and then at the end, we will talk a little bit about how you can interact with it or how you can apply it. But uh, as we work through this, like put your thinking caps on, come with me as we walk through where we've been and uh, what we have for today. So we started out that we're in trouble. We're in trouble because of who we are and what we've done. That God is the judge, and because he's a just judge, you don't just uh, um, get off uh, free and easy. Secondly, that God offers me by grace his goodness by paying for who I am and what I've done. That I can accept this amazing gift by faith in Jesus Christ. It's in a person. That he places me in this new relationship of grace. And we learn from our, from our card that now I relate to him based on the fact that more sin, more grace. He is, what he has done so amazingly powerful, it has put us in a position whereby we're at peace with God because of what he's done for us, not because of what we do for him, or even uh, in reaction to him other than trusting him, putting our faith in Christ, which led us to, well, then why not sin? And we, re we learned the reason to not sin is not because there's uh, 
a, a box around us that says you have to live up to these expectations. The reason we found out it wasn't because, well, you don't want to sin because God will be angry with you. We learned the reason not to sin is because that's not who you are. You've actually been changed from the inside out. You are a new person who wants to do what God wants. You're alive unto God. And along with that, we learned that we are dead to sin, that we are under grace, and that sin no longer has power over us. There is no box. There is no line to cross. We're free. Which leads to this question. Well, then why do we sin? Because as we've worked through Romans, Paul has pretty much given us a truth and then said, oh, that creates this question. Then he answers the question, which presents another truth, which creates another question. And each time the truth has been amazing, but it creates another question. And this was written by Paul. Paul was, uh, in some ways, very different in experience from us. Paul uh, was first a Jewish person, a very religious person. He very much believed in the law. He very much believed that he lived his life so well that God would accept him. He even persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. And he had them put to death for what they believed. And then one day when he was traveling from one place to another to to persecute more people, uh, Jesus actually blinded him and said to him, in, a, in an audible voice. Now for us, uh, for me, when I met Christ, I knew I needed a Savior. I had taught, I'd been taught what the Bible had to say, and, and I had a conversation with Christ where I, I, I interacted with him and, 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 and asked him questions, and he answered in my spirit based on what the Bible says. But this is different for Paul. He heard an audible voice of Jesus. And Jesus said, why are you, why are you fighting me? And Paul came to, believe, came to understand that Jesus really, truly was the Messiah. And he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And then another supernatural thing happened, where Jesus actually took him away and taught him the mystery of the gospel, and taught him all about the deep things of what it means that Christ died on the cross for us in this brand new relationship for us. Something that's never happened to us. And then Paul was the writer of much of the New Testament because he's been taught this. He's going to reveal this amazing truth to us. These things that we've been learning over these last few weeks. And when he comes to this point in his life, he says this. And when he comes to this point in Romans, he says this. He says, so the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. The things I know are right and I would love to do, I don't do. But the things I know are wrong, I, I still do them because of this, this problem, this war. And so even though he had an incredible experience different than ours, when it comes down to his day-to-day life, very similar to ours. You have what you want to do, but you're your own worst enemy. You don't end up doing the very thing you want to do. You know this action is going to lead to long-term pain. You still do it. You know this action or inaction is going to lead to regret. Still do it. Why? What goes on? If Jesus has done all these amazing things in our lives, why does sin 
still seem so powerful in our lives? It's because of this incredible war within. So after he lays out that that's where he is, this is what he says. He says, so I find this law or this principle at work. When I wanted to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Now, this is very important. This is very important. Here's a man who's sinning. He's not doing what he, want, he knows is the right thing to do. And right in the middle of it, he doesn't say, oh, man, I've got I've to I've love God more. I've got to... I've got to change my attitude. I've got, there's something wrong with my heart. That's not what he says. He says, in the inner being, I love God's law. This new person that God has made me. When we started out on that trail, we, we, we have this That art may sell for millions of dollars one day, but for today, just use it as a teaching tool. The Bible teaches as we walk through those things that we've actually been given a new heart. This is who we really are. This is the inner man. And he says in the midst of this struggle, he loves, he delights in God's law. It's not a burden for him. He delights in it. This is important. It happens right in the middle of him struggling with sin. But I see another law or principle at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law or the principle of my mind. So this is, there's this other principle, this other work, something's going on within his body, within him. It says, it's taking me and making me a prisoner of the law of the principle of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man that I am. So he sees this one principle at work in his life. That principle is he delights in God's law. He sees that principle at work. He wants to do what God wants. But he sees another principle at work in his members, and it makes him a slave it causes him to do something he does not want to do. And that principle is the principle of sin. So, this war that goes on. On the one side of this war is my spirit and God's spirit. This is really important. This is what we learned in the weeks coming up to this week. When you become a believer, when you Trust Christ as your personal Savior. This is not about whether or not you're a Christian. This is not about whether or not you go to church. This is that you have met with Jesus one-on-one, -on -one and you have realized you have no hope that you're the problem. And you've asked him to forgive you of your sins. You've asked him that what he did on the cross would be applied to you. And you give him your sin. You turn away from trusting in yourself and what you can do or some religion and it's only him. You've taken that step. That person, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit indwells them. He lives right here. 
your spirit and God's spirit are one. Now, before you become a believer, that's not true. Before you become a believer, you're actually at war with God. On one side is God, who's a righteous judge, who says that for you to have a relationship with me, you have to be perfect. And you on the other side going, no, 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 what, you, you, have to, you have to accept what I, what I have to offer. I'm trying as hard as I can. I'm doing the best I can. It's, it's about me and my life, and you're actually at war. But when you become a believer, God's spirit and your spirit become one. He indwells you, and you are at war with this other side. One more thing about this becoming one. I love God's law. I love God's word. I love what God wants. What do you love? What do you love? Now, when you love something, you kind of wake up in the morning and go, that's what I want to do. Now, there's a few of you here, we only had two in the morning service, but there's a few of you here who wake up in the morning and go, you know what? I want to go for a run. Raise your hand. No one. There's one. There we go. There are people who love to exercise. They wake up in the morning like, I want to go for a run. I'm not one of those people, but there are people like that, right? They love to do it. They enjoy it. For the rest of it, what, for the rest of us, that's hard, right? It's that, that's pain. That's work. There are people in this room who love to put together a proposal. I'm talking about you get down at your desk and you get out your computer and you do all kind of research and you find out all of the things and oh, this is going to cost this much and this is going to do this much and you like to write paragraphs and make a report. You'd love it. I'm not one of those either. But you do. You love it. It's not work for you. You love doing it. It may be hard at the time. Now, I think that's odd, but what I love is just as odd. I love hard, dirty work. I love it. We were uh, working on our house, and we had to tear down two chimneys. I mean, tear down two chimneys, that's like one of the dirtiest jobs you can possibly do, and it's hard. And Lemmy and me and Timmy and a couple other guys, man, you get your mall, right? And you go boom, 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 working on that thing, and stuff's flying all over the place, and dirt's flying all over the place. And when you get done, there's no chimney. You change the world. And you walk in, and you look in the mirror, and you got, like, your hair is just dust all over. It changed the color of your hair. The only thing that looks normal is you've got this little spot right here where there's no dust because you still blink. Besides that, you're entirely covered in dirt. For me, I'm like, ah, me, ah. I love it. It's, It's who I am. For the thing that you love, it's who you are. The Bible teaches that in the midst of this struggle of sin, that's not who you are. If if you're a believer, you love God's law. You want what God wants. It's who you are. 
It's an amazing principle. And so we want to do good because that's what we want. It fights this other principle. The other principle is the principle of sin. And remember we had that, that, that box so you interact with God's law. We'll take the Ten Commandments because that's the easiest one. Okay, the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not lie. Uh-oh. So for me to have a good relationship with God, I need to stop lying. Oh, for me to be a good person, what God expects of me is for me to stop lying. So I've got to stop lying. Now, this is the law of sin because as soon as you relate to God that way, it has power in your life. Just like when you come to me and you say to me, Chris, for you to lose weight and for you to be in the kind of shape you have to be in, you have to run three miles a day. That's killer, man. You know what I'm going to wake up in the morning doing? Oh, no, I've got to run today. Oh, no. Then I'm going to make up 13 excuses, Right? Why, I will run later. I'm going to run, but I'm going to do it later. It's just hard. And what am I focused on the whole time? Running. I'm focused on the expectation and you can add to that other commandments, but you can also come up with your own expectations. Things that you say, if I, if I follow this, I will be valuable. If I follow this, I'll meet the expectations. Some of you, your marriages are like this. Your marriages are so hard and painful because you live according to expectations. I'm trying to meet her expectations. I'm trying to meet his expectations. And they become a law. And once they become a law, sin has power. Some of us, we've made these financial. If I make X amount of money, if I do really well financial, I'm somebody, I'm good. And you're totally focused on that. It rules your life. Some of you, you've made it that you're going to be a family man or, or you're going to have a great family. And it's become this expectation. And you make your decisions based on those things. And it's actually become a law in your life. For some of you, it's, I'm going to have an impact in life. I'm going to be a great mom, or I'm going to be this kind of person. I'm going to be this. And, and they're actually expectations. It's this is what I have to do to be valuable. This is what I have to do to be acceptable. This is what I have to do to have good relationship with that person. And when we do that with God and we do that with others, guess what we just did? We just put ourselves back in the box. Now, here's the principle. The principle of life, the principle of grace is you don't relate to God this way. The principle of grace is you're free. But that he's changed your heart and it's what you want. It's who you are. The principle of sin is you've got to keep the law to become acceptable. You've got to keep the law to be good. Now, now, as we work through this, you need to know, maybe you don't, but I want you to know, most of you believe in this with all your heart. 
You've come to church this morning and you believe with all your heart. If you could just live good enough, you'd become valuable, acceptable. And on a day-to-day basis, you live under a ton of tension and anxiety because you're always trying to please someone else, something else, somewhere. You're trying to prove. You're trying to get the life you want but keeping some law. And you lose. The principle of life is Uh, Let me back up before you go to the principle of life. So you think the question is, should I sin or should I not sin? The war is not over this choice to sin or do good. The war is not over, should I serve or do nothing? The war is not over, should I tell the truth or should I I lie? Now this is my experience. See if it it matches your experience. Whenever I go out to eat with somebody, right, who does not know who I am, or whenever I meet somebody and we're hanging out at a ball game or we're working on something together, right? They don't know who I am. They don't know I'm a pastor, right? And so they meet me. Hey, how you doing? I'm Chris. Da, da, da. Tell them a little bit about, you tell them where you live. You tell them, right? You begin to talk. And I, I'm, I fear the question that's coming because it's coming. Da, 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 da. What do you do for work? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, oh, my man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right? Why do people do that? Why do people do that? No, I don't, I'm not asking why they say effing something, something. Why do they do that? Why do they react that way? Because they think I'm the guy who keeps the law. Does that make sense? See, my perspective is you believe in this. Because I intuitively believe in this, even though it's wrong. I tend to go back to this, even though I'm the one who teaches against it all the time. So I think this is how you live. I think you live under this law, thinking, feeling, for sure, I just have to stay in the box. And the principle that we're learning today is this. That's not the war. The question is not, should I sin or not sin? That's not the question. The question is, or the war is, at any given moment, the war is over, who am I and what do I want? Who am I and what do I want? See, the question isn't, should you sin or should you lie or not lie? The question is, Are you forgiven? Are you holy? Are you who Jesus says you are? And are you under grace? Or are you under the law? In other words, do you have to prove yourself? Do you have to live up to expectations? Or are you under grace? Whereby you become acceptable because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Because of what he has done to your heart. Who are you and what do you want? The Bible teaches you are Christ and you want exactly what he wants. You see, when we face sin, 
we tend to stare right at the sin. When you face lust, you tend to stare right at the lust and go, should I lust or not lust? Should I lust or not lust? If you have a problem with alcohol, you tend to take the booze, sit it right in the middle of the table and go, should I drink or not drink? Should I drink or not drink? Should I drink or not drink? Now, you do it much faster when you're in a fight, but you still do it. Should I scream at my wife or not scream at my wife? Should I scream at my wife or should I not scream at my wife? You see, when you do that, you just walk right back in the box, and it's only a matter of time. And you're going to sin. Jesus invites you to do something else. Jesus invites you to face lust and go, that's not the issue. The issue is, will I put my hand in the hand of Jesus? Will I trust who he says I am, believe who he says I am, and what he says I want? Because he says, I'm righteous, and I want what he wants. So I'm not looking at the lust and trying to decide if I'm going to lust anymore. I'm looking at him and deciding if I'm going to trust him or not. I'm looking at his hand, which is outstretched to me, and deciding, am I going to? put my hand in his hand? Or am I going to push it away? You ever see a guy playing football and he either screwed up the play or, or uh, he got hurt and you reach down to pick him up because you're on his side and you want to help him and you want to help him get, get better and move forward, right? But he's filled with pride. He's embarrassed and he's filled with pride. And he pushes your hand away and he gets up on his own. See, that's kind of the picture. The picture is when you face sin, you're either going to focus on the sin, you're going to be filled with pride, you're going to say, I can overcome this. I have to beat this. Jesus doesn't want to see me until I'm cleaned up. We step right back in the box. Or we do the opposite. We go, wait, whoa, 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 no, no, no. I believe you, Jesus. You've forgiven me of my sin. My relationship with you is secured. You've made me holy and right and good. So the only decision I have to make here is, am I going to trust you or not? It's awesome. It's awesome. Do you realize that I just described to you that the thing you've been fighting with your whole life is a myth? Do you realize that when you've lived your life and you've said, how could God expect this of me? I can't do it. I tried. That's not what God expects of you. That's not what's going on. What's going on is he's paid it all. He has his hand to you. And every time you sin, every time you're tempted to sin, every time you've already sinned and blown it, you've messed it up, he has his hand right there. And the decision is not whether or not you're going to sin. The decision is, will you put your hand in his hand? Will you trust him 
for who he has made you as a new person. Will you trust him for what you really want? Will you live from your spirit? Will you listen to the spirit of God? Or will you listen to the flesh, your enemy? It's awesome. It's really awesome. He goes on to say, I am a minister of Jesus Christ who belongs to everyone else at Skyline Community Church. The purpose of my life is to be a tool in my local church. I am here to be used of God and to help people build their life on grace. Another example of how this works. So all the time we're like, look, get involved in ministry, get involved in ministry, get involved in ministry. Now, 95% of the reason that we tell you to get involved in ministry is because it's great for you. But I have to be honest with you. I try to be really honest and real with you. There's a percentage of me that tells you to get involved in ministry because what we do here is incredible. I need your help, right? We need your help to pull off everything we pull off on a Sunday morning. But Jesus says the reason to get involved in ministry because that's who you are. So you got a couple of ways to interact with ministry. One is, oh, the pastor says I need to get involved in ministry, and so I need to get involved in ministry because that's what God expects of me, and that's what he expects of me, and so if I'm going to go to Skyline, I need to be able to do that, and i got to get that done. Then I get involved in ministry, and it looks like fun, and it was fun for the first few weeks, and then after about a month, it's hard. Now it's hard. Got to get up early, got to leave, oh man, this is tough, and this is what they expect of me, and this is what I have to do. Or, give him a hand, give him a hand, that's great. <laughs> or, I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I love ministry. That's what I do. Yeah, it's hard, but I love it. Why do you love it? Because I belong to the body of Christ. That's who I am. That's my group of little believers. That's where God has me. That's what it means to build your life on grace. That's what it means to live by grace. It works kind of a little bit like this. So uh, my son uh, married somebody from Ecuador. She actually was born in Ecuador. And uh, if you know the Castros, um, it's their daughter. Her name's Anna. And uh, Anna's incredible. She's really amazing. And so uh, whenever your son marries the daughter, like you go to parties with the family. And they, and they go to our church. So we really are a part of their family, right? So we first start to do this. And uh, so we have the very first big meeting. And I've heard this before, but now it's, um, it, we've got to do this, right? So there's like 35 people at this party. And they said, now look. Make sure that when you go to the party, you say goodbye to every person in the room before you leave the room. That's that. Make sure you do that, right? So I show up for the party. I'm nervous already, right? I'm nervous for a couple of reasons. I don't speak Spanish, and so uh, there's Spanish conversations going along, right? I, I don't know what they are, and uh, everybody thinks this, right? If you don't know what somebody's talking about, you know they're talking about you. Right? <laughs> Clearly they are. So I'm, I'm already nervous about that, right? And, and I'm already thinking, I've got to talk to all these people. 
I got, I got to talk to all these people. I got to talk to all these people. And this is, this is what is expected of me, right? And so comes the end of the night. It's, it's, it's time to go, right? And so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say goodbye to all these people. So you, you come up, and, you, and, and you're supposed to kiss them on the cheek too, which I have gotten much better at, but I'm from the Midwest. You kiss some guy on the cheek of the Midwest, man, he's going to give you, right? So it's all this, right? So you, you, you do this, and, the, uh, and then there's a teenage girl. Like, like, do you kiss the teenage girl on the cheek? What do you, how do you interact with that, right? Then there's, then there's this guy's wife. He's standing right there, right? And you, uh, uh, how do you do this? And then there's this grown man, right? How do you do this? How do you interact with this? And then these people are moving, right? So how do you know you got every one of them? Like, please, everybody sit down and just right there so I can say goodbye to all of you. Right? Does that make sense? And then there's when Ruth Castro leaves a room. And if you know Ruth, you know this is true. When Ruth Castro leaves a room, she says goodbye to every person so naturally. There's nothing to it. You know why? Because that's who she is. That's who she is. You know what Jesus says about you? You love to do good. What Jesus says about you is, you belong to him and he belongs to you. What Jesus says about you is that when you fall and when you sin, before you sin, his hand is there. That's who you are. So see, we either get to live our lives back in the box back under the law, trying to fulfill expectations, trying to prove we're somebody, trying to overcome, or we become Ecuadorians. We, we go, no, 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 no. No. I'm going to live my life by grace. This is all a gift. Every bit of goodness in my life is a gift. I love to do what God wants because it's by grace. He's changed me. That's who he's made me. That's what he says. I don't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. I, don't, I, I, I can't sense it. My body doesn't tell me this is true. My brain doesn't tell me this is true. But the Bible tells me this is true. Jesus tells me this is true. So who am I going to trust? And when I trust Jesus for who I am and what I want, it's amazing. I'm so free. And it doesn't matter that I screwed up the last 12 times. Because I'm not living to meet his expectations. He, by grace, has made me acceptable. He has met the expectations. And I belong to him. And my hand is in his hand. It's awesome. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? If you're, if you're fairly new to Skyline, and this is the first time you ever heard this, what you, you're probably going to do with this is go, this is crazy. I have, I, what? And that's what you should do with it. You should challenge this. You should. If you have to meet with me one-on-one -on -one and go, wait a minute, i got a question about this, and how can this be, and how can this be? Or you need to meet with, a, uh, get involved in a life group and ask your life group leader, how can this be, how can this be? Ask Marilou, ask somebody, wait a minute, how can this be? 
Go to somebody else outside of our church and go, you know what our pastor said? And, and they'll say, yeah, he's wrong. And then you get all that ammunition and you come back and you talk to me. I'm a little cocky about this. Because when you come back and talk to me, I'm going to show you in the Bible. I didn't make this up. This isn't my teaching. This doesn't come from me. It's, it's in the Bible. It's the foundation that proves how good God is. For others of you, you're right smack dab in the middle of sin. You're back in the box and you are saying, I got to get out of this sin before I can be with Jesus. I got to get out of this sin. I got to prove myself. I got to win. I got to get over this. Stop. Stop. You are a failure. And as long as you keep pushing the hand of Jesus away, you will fail. Man. Admit it. Admit who you are. Admit what you've done. Put your hand in the hand of Jesus. Accept his forgiveness. Accept who he wants, what he wants to do in your life. Stop living this miserable life. Give that miserable life to Jesus and let him transform your heart. It's awesome. The last thing I want to show you is There's a verse, and uh, Obi and Steph, would you come on up? There's a verse that says this. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Obi is uh, the champion of the fact that the body of Christ is where Christ lives. It's in the way that we accept one another. It's in the way that we treat each other. It's in the way that we realize that Jesus lives in my heart and Jesus lives in his heart and Jesus lives in her heart. And when I talk to the Jesus in her heart, oh, it's incredible what happens. It's amazing. But I want to make sure you get this picture. When you live in a box and when you think you're good because of the way you live and what you do, and when you relate to one another and you end up, what ends up happening is you judging each other based on how well they stay in the box. And quite frankly, this is the church I grew up in. It was a bunch of people who were Christians and who'd been forgiven of their sin. But they didn't live by grace. They lived by how well they thought they kept the law. How good of Christians they were. See, for many of you, you've never experienced, you've experienced this. And you think when you walk into church, you think I'm the big kahuna right here. So I have the biggest box, right? I must be the most judgmental one. That's why when people curse around me, they go, oh, sorry, man. Right? Like I'm God or something. That's why it happens, right? What does that do to us? It means I can't be a part of your life and you can't be a part of my life. And then there's all these other people, 
Right? When you live in the box, when you do not live by grace, what happens is we all come together in one room, but we're very individual people. We can't share lives. You can't share the, the, the mess you've made of your life, and I can't share what I'm struggling with. Why? Because we have to stay in the box. What Jesus Christ has done for us and what Obi has trumpeted for us and what Obi has taught us over and over and over and over again. It's going to take too long. At Skyline, in the body of Christ, that doesn't exist. And when Jesus says that in the Bible, he says it because there aren't any boxes. We make them up. And today, as we are going to celebrate Obi and staff and, in a sense, say goodbye to them because they're, they're no longer in that, in that position in our church. I want to celebrate him. I want to celebrate staff. Because he took this teaching, he took this wholeheartedly. And for years, he's been passing it on to us. He's been trying to get us to live that way. He's trying to help us to understand it. He's led us in worship to understand it. Each week, what he wanted so badly was for a group of believers who came together and they lived as one, and then other believers to come in and watch it and go, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. These people are nuts. I mean, they... they they don't have any boxes. And you know that's scary, right? Because you think the box protects you. And so, Obi, I want to say thank you. That between you and me, no box. Great. I got a list of things I want to thank him for, all right? One. You, uh, you gave your heart to Christ. You gave your life to Christ. You took everything I was trying to teach you and you ate it up and you ate it up. And where you didn't agree, you fought it and then you ate it up. I want to thank you for being my son. I want to thank you that when we went through hard times, you didn't run away. When we were ticked off at each other, you didn't run away. I want to thank you for loving your wife and your daughter. I think better than the way I taught you. I want to thank you that you're going to move forward and you're going to spread grace into people's lives. I, I never dreamed we could do. Thanks. Steph? I want to thank you for being attracted to Obi. <laughs> if you don't know, Steph came to Skyline because while Obi was on tour, she fell in love with him. And then you challenged what we believed, and you challenged, and then when you believed it, you believed it. I want to thank you for the way you love your husband. Well, you love your daughter. I want to thank you for the way you poured into our 
children, the way you've poured into us. I'm amazed at how much you've grown in the time since we've gotten to know you. And I want to thank you. I know this because I work with him every day. He is so strong because he gets to go home to you. I know it's true. Thank you. I love you. I'd like you to uh, stand up and grab hands. I'm going to pray for Steph and Obi. Lord Jesus, I'm so proud of Obi and Steph. So thankful for London. Jesus, as they go out, would you protect them with your grace and your word? Would you put people around them again and again, wherever they go and wherever they end up ministering, would you put people around them that would continually feed them the truth? They belong to you. They've been forgiven. You've given them your righteousness. That's who they are. They are your servants. The whole mission of their life is to share life with you and then share life with others. Lord, I pray that Skyline will always be their home church. This place that's healthy and wonderful to go back home to and get hugs and love and be sent out again. Thank you, Lord, for the day you brought OB into my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Love you, buddy.